it's very fun to live in another country and I find myself speaking like Madonna. So it's a it. nice, well, like having a dinner and I'm like, well, this is very nice. Or this is very nice. This mm-hmm. is nice. Or um, what do I say? I go, really? Mm. <laughs> like I don't say really. I go, really? Um, so just like different emphasis. A little or like, bit um, going like a little bit more uh, mid- yeah. mid-Atlantic go, or something. Or I say like, I go like, hiya, how are you? Like I just like don't, I try not to be as American, even though I'm very American. I'm like, that would be amazing. Thank you. Or like, thank oh, you. Oh yeah, just a little bit of like a weird creepy it's accent like a weird coming effect, in. Or like when I ask questions, I'll be like, is he coming? When, oh, and when you hear yourself do that, what do your emotions I tell you? I want to slap myself. Yeah. Oh my God, I have to tell you about the show I saw last night. So what it, the premise is, is it's shorthand improv. Again, I don't know if we're going to use this for the podcast. You're so nervous, but it, I think I really want to use it. The more nervous you get about saying content on this podcast, the more likely I am to keep it, just so you know. And it's a late night show here. And the premise is, is it's like short-term, short um, short form improv. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of fun improv games, mm-hmm. like a rap battle or things like that. And the lose is it combines short form improv with a Japanese game show called which is... I think means punishment. And so if you lose, you go through punishment. And so what happened was, is I heard they were here. They're from New York. And I was like, oh, they're looking for like comedy warrior. This would be a great opportunity for KK and I, who are improvisers, to get on the show, to try it out. It'll be a good time. And they're like, you actually should see the show first before you agree to do it because we believe in enthusiastic consent. And I was like, chill, chill. Great, great, great. Cool, cool, cool. So we go to the show last night. I'm just going to give you the first one. The first story, the first, the first moment is like, um, is improv story. So basically someone points at you and you have to like keep doing the story and it can be in the middle of a word, but you can't slip up. And if you slip out, there's a big gong sound and you have to, you are, you know. Sorry. And the whole audience is playing? No, just four people, but the audience is watching. Got it. When you lose what they do is they take out a paintball gun and they shoot you with it. I don't know if I would play. You get to decide if you're going to play or not. Yeah. I don't think where they're getting in an enthusiastic consenting yes from me because I they saw me after. So that's one punishment. Another punishment is they do an industrial sized rubber band and they snap it on you if you lose a game. There was another one where they put an electric shock collar on you and they turn it up to 10 and they shock you if you get something wrong. KK and I were watching it and we kept looking at each other going, I don't think we can do this because one, our show is very physical. I do not like they were showing us the welts from this paintball gun what? and I was like there's this no fucking so way this is so crazy this is so violent there's and bizarre. no fucking way I mean you didn't volunteer so you're fine but luckily I was like we'd love to be and I like got their contact and then I saw it and I was like no. you know what it's gonna be a no for me yeah, dog for sure is how I feel you know what I, they didn't get my consent but I had to go to the doctor and get electric shocked I have been very impressed by the way all the doctors I've been to which we talked about last episode mm-hmm. that they do things like we're going to do a test and they put me in a room 
And a woman goes, okay, so we're going to do this test. It's called, and then she just lists letters. And I go, okay. And she goes, so lie down. And I go, well, what is the test though? And she'll go, well, it's a kind of nerve test. And I'll go, okay, but what is it? And then she'll repeat the letters. And I said to her, I need to know if you're about to punch me in the face or put a needle in my eye. And she was like, oh. (laughs) I'm just going to put some things around your arms and legs and they're going to squeeze you. And I said, great, good information to have. But it's like wild that I am walking you through the fact that you How should to, tell me we what you're get about some to do to manner, my fucking folks. body. We got to do some bedside manner, my friend. The guy that friend. did my um, test where he electrocuted me, oh, Jesus. he was like, you've read about this online, right? A lot of people just read about it online before coming in. And I had. So I was like, yeah. So he didn't explain what he was going to do either. And all I had read online was that it involved needles and being electrocuted. And then he put some things on my hand and then had like goo and put a metal thing on me and started electrocuting me. And it hurt and it was like shocking. And he didn't tell me he was about to do it. And while he was doing it, he goes, so what do you do? And he was talking to me and I was like listing some of my weird gigs. And then when I got to this, he was like, oh, you like crime, huh? And he's like talking to me about true crime and he looked so interested, like more interested than I wanted him to look. And he's electrocuting me, talking about true crime with me and being like, that's so interesting. What do you think you like about it? You know, like just like zapping me. That reminds me of when I got. Oh, sorry. Keep going. He goes. All right, now I'm going to do this. And he didn't tell me what he was going to do. And he goes, this part's about needles. And I was like, this part is about needles. And I was like, he put a needle in me. And I thought he was going to electrocute me through the needle. So I'm like, so pouring sweat. And he's like, God, you're really sweating. And I was like, yep. And then he took the needle out. And I go, oh, I thought you were going to electrocute the needle. And he goes, oh, <laughs> no. And then he just starts putting more needles in me. But it was like, he didn't tell me at all. Like, there was no, this is what's about to happen. It is bizarre in New York. Every doctor I've been to does Wait, not tell me so what they're going to do to me and just starts doing it. And I'm, like, guessing oh, the whole Quinn, time. I'm and I'm so anxious. That sounds miserable. It's like, I feel like it's like when I got my IUD in, it hurts so bad, right? Like, Did they, they tell you it was going to feel was like it? a pinch? Probably. Like, you're going to feel a little pressure. And what it is is they, like, have to um, – what is it? Manually um, dilate your cervix, and it's a very it's interesting feeling. Really in that if you had interesting a feeling, it's a really interesting feeling because it's also well, it's because it's your period cramp. Like that's what you're feeling is your cervix contracting and dilating, right? And um, so, in order to get that IUD in there, they gotta open the hole, and it's like you feel that muscle. And my gynecologist was wonderful who put it in, but she was trying to have a conversation with me. And I was like, I'm just going to deep breathe. And I was like doing yogic breathing, which actually did help because God knows they're not giving us fucking painkillers there or any anesthesia. Um, but yeah, it was, but it's like that. It's like, I don't know why, what makes you think I can continue a conversation. Like I'm not a child. I don't think you can fool me into being distracted by your speculum in my hoo-ha and well, my and they're period like, cramps be clamping. Plans this summer? And it's like so and crazy. Like, it's um, like somebody yeah, doing that while you're giving birth you. or something. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, watch any good movies lately? And you're like trying to push a baby out. It's like, it is like a very dumb trick and to try have, to do. And I have like a very hard, yeah, it's a very, but also I'm like, I have a hard time like not being so nice and being like, yeah, I'll answer that question. But in reality, I'd be like, I want to be like, just shut the fuck up. 
do what you got to do. Let's get this over with. Let's work together to get this over with. Um, but there's another show I want to tell you about that I cannot see here because it's on around the same time as our show, which is we have a show at 830. I'm sorry, 825 p.m. So they're your competitors. Oh, is that what you're trying to say? No, 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 no. They're in a way bigger venue and I think they're selling out. But they're a show called Kathy and Stella Solve a Murder. And I sent you a video from it because I saw their, um, they did like a little preview performance at our venue press preview. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a true crime podcast. It is a musical about a true crime podcast, which to me feels like they ripped off just our whole show because we are a musical true crime podcast um but it's they solve a murder and they're like the whole joke is them getting all the information from wikipedia and i just i felt really seen i felt really seen by these two white women who solve a murder i love you that seen the new- so much did you see it did you watch the video it was wild it, right it was great it was like an amazing song and i was like this is fabulous and fun <laughs> i'm sure that let do me you know see. what I'm show i watch the- that you have to watch the Kaylee Cuoco one? E, e, is that her name? What a cool name. Um, is she the was she the one that like does a podcast, blackmails a serial killer? No. The show that I watched is a TV show called Based on a True Story. I bet our our dear readers would like it. It's um true crime driven and it's basically a couple that decide to make money they want to do, which by the way, not a great <laughs> business plan to make money they want hey, to do a podcast from, well, about a, a serial while. killer it was for a little while they end up knowing a serial killer and they're like we're gonna make a podcast about it instead of go to the police and we're gonna try to make money and i really really appreciate that i think it's kaylee cuoco who else is winning it with her that guy <laughs> mm, thank you i'll look That's it up so i'll look it up helpful. i'll look it up because it is um really good based on a true story how do you find out who's in it? Just look it up. Oh, here it is. Tom Bateman and Chris Messina. And Kaylee Kuo. Chris Messina. Wait, we got to do some. Wait, can we Tom introduce Bateman uh, our is podcast? pretty cute, by the way. Is he single? Um, do you think he'll know about? Ooh, do you think we know. can call him? Let's give um, him Have a you ring. seen the new Barbie movie yet? Yeah, and I wore a Barbie outfit. To the I movie. did too. And I drank a pink drink um, at the movie. I did it all. I did it hard. Oh my God. I love that. I for think you. I might want to do for Barbie us. for Halloween because I think Matt would be a really good Ken, don't you? Are you going to be Weird Barbie? Can you be Weird Barbie who does the splits and is. That's who you should Ooh, be. That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Because you could do it. Right, maybe fun, I'll be like... Weird. Maybe I'll be Weird Barbie. Or maybe I'll be regular Barbie and have you be Weird Barbie. I'll be weird, Barbie. And, I would love and to be Matt weird will Barbie. be Ken. Do you want to do that? Or I can be Midge. <laughs> oh, pregnant Midge. <laughs> Poor Midge. I did. I think I was interested in Midge. Like, I think that is a doll I really remember from that time. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I had yeah, one, I was but I was too definitely. Young for that at the time. Ugh, shut the fuck up. By the um, way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creepy. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie the Midge Ipema. No, I'm not pregnant. Could you imagine if that was my birth announcement, my pregnancy oh announcement? Oh, my God. I would love that <laughs> if you were just like, hey, guess what? I'm Midge. Here's the thing. I need you to know that I'm starving. So this is going to be a story brought to you by hunger. Oh, okay. I love first, that, too. We have songs. to thank some Patreons. 
Oh yeah. Also, how many I do we tell- have? Four. Yeah. There's also a four? big delay on the Zoom. I can tell, and it's like I'm trying to sync up with you, but if we sound like we don't like each other, that's not what's going on. It's just that that's we can't not- find no, each it might other. Be. It might be. Well, we've we have been be. together a long time. Maybe maybe enough's <laughs> enough. It's been and nice. Listen, I mean, I haven't feel like I haven't talked to you in what two weeks. It always it feels is like really so weird fucking, when we do that, isn't it? It's well, it's weird because the last year we spoke every fucking week, and so the fact that you've had Twice. joint pain or like the fact that you've any like it's wild. I know that I can be like I've been to seven doctors since I last saw you, and you're like in one day, and I'm like, no. How did Carrie, I not know? It's been weeks. How did I not and you're know? Like, what? How did I not know? I know. Insane. Okay, tell me what are their names? Their names are Stephanie C. Stephanie C, you're a star to me. We love you and your peanut little derrier. I don't know why I oh said my that. God. I, I love that. So, I, that is maybe the best uh, lyric you've ever come up with on the fly. I, I can tell you've been doing a derrier. <laughs> I said peanut <laughs> derrier. Is that a peanut butt? Is that like, what is a peanut butt? Is I'm it like, like a wide You just went right into like objectifying her. It's like, it's so intense. Like, I just like it's it. It's so intense. I like everything I'm about so it. I'm so sorry. Stephanie C. We're glad if we you could don't just... have a peanut allergy so we can be <laughs> close to your booty. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just thinking of like, what is a peanut derriere? And it's, um, I think it's just like a like a long butt with just like two like could you imagine just a peanut? You know who it's you sounded like was Madonna. I think that's why it happened. I think that it's the all the Madonna in you coming out. It's my Madonna. That's exactly what it is. It's your oh Madonna shaken in a cocktail with weird Barbie, and that's how it came out. I saw the Barbie, by the way. Unbrand. Did I tell Unbrand. you I saw Barbie with ten neighborhood moms? That makes sense. All together in a big, long row, eating popcorn, drinking pink drinks, and giggling. Actually, the mom I sat next to didn't think the movie was good. And I have to tell you that sitting next to someone who is stone-faced, doesn't like it while you're laughing, is not that fun. Like, I was like, could you switch seats with someone? I have to tell you. (laughs) I have to tell you. um, Mm. There was a moment in the Barbie movie that I felt so fucking seen. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but. I was actually talking to KK the day before and I was like, I've been feeling really anxious and pretty low lately. And so I've weirdly been like finding a lot of comfort in Jane Austen movies. So I've watched hmm. like the Keira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, and the BBC Pride and Prejudice. I don't know. It just made me feel happy. And there was a scene. I don't spoiler alert. Fast forward 15 seconds if you don't want to hear it. But there's a <laughs> scene in Barbie where it's like depressed Barbie. And it's like, are you watching the BBC Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> Yes, that was in were. the movie, and I was like, "You felt very." Sane. I was depressed, Barbie. I was I depressed, that. Barbie, for a minute this summer, but we're back. We're we're getting there. We're getting better. You look anyway, beautiful. Okay, wait, who's? Thank you. It's the lighting. What is the? What's the next name? Katie, I hate to tell you that I didn't write the last letter of your name, so you're just Katie. Katie, Katie, D. Katie, K, Katie, D. Maybe it's Katie D. Is it A, B, D, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, D, W, X, Y, or Z? We don't know your last letter, Katie, but we love that you're all here, Katie. And, and we gonna love end your this money song, and we Katie. love your face and we also bet your butt is great too. <laughs> Next name? Heidi B. 
What? Heidi or Haiti? Did you just Heidi. do a southern accent? Heidi. 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 Oh. I thought you were like Haiti. Heidi. Heidi B. <laughs> yeah, it's Heidi B. Yeah, you know me. That's Heidi B. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, you yeah, know me. You down with Heidi yeah, B. You know me. Absolutely. It's <laughs> Heidi B. Because we're all best friendly. <laughs> it's Heidi B. Yeah, truly dark, creepily. It's Heidi B. Yeah, truly darkly creepily. You're a Patreon. We love you, Heidi. Heidi B. We'll see you later. Totally. Next. Great. Perfect. <laughs> Well, bad news. It's another name that's going to end with a B, so you can't reuse any of the great, great Fuck. material you just came up with. I know. Okay. Like, what a oh, – should I save it for next week so you can just do that song again? No. Uh, you know what? One day we will release a it? record with all of these thank yous, and it will go platinum. No, we won't. No, we won't. I'm not going to say that because I'm not making promises I can't keep. Oh, God. You're really standing up for yourself these days, and I don't like thank it. Thank you. Bailey B. Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. Your last name starts with B. Bailey. Bailey. You are so not fraily. Super strong. <laughs> Done. I actually don't think we should go anywhere. I think it was to me. It was was going to get worse before it got better in that case. So (laughs) to me, ending on super strong is is really good. The only way to end, folks. It's (laughs) the only way to end. Super strong. I'm going to end this whole lot. Just remember, I'm going to bring it at the end of the episode. I will be doing a callback too. Super strong. Bookmark it in your brain. Don't forget. Yeah, I'm not. I'm saying it now, but I'm going to do it. I think it's your turn to tell It's my start. Oh, okay. Okay, I got this information. See, she's gotten so aggressive. (laughs) No, I just, listen, I got shit to do today. I got to eat dinner before my show. Um, I got this information um, from Daily Mail, Cops Who Kill, Sky News, Wikipedia, Yorkshire Live, Mirror, and The Guardian. So I got this story. I'm sure you probably have heard about it. but it happened in 2021. And I got this information. My friend actually from <clears throat> uni it, what came and visited oh, me this weekend. Shut up. And uh, she and I went <laughs> to college together. We lived together freshman year in our sweet dorms. And then um, and then uh, she moved to London after we grew up. And we lived together also our senior year in the same house. So she's just awesome i love her she's a really great friend and she lives in london and so every time i'm here for the fringe she's come and visited me and when i go to london i visit her and she's just like i love her so much she's just so nice and wonderful and so she came here this weekend and i was talking to her and i was like what's some cases you can tell me and she told me this case of sarah everard which you've probably heard about sarah everard she was really big in london have you heard about her no i mean the name is not familiar so i'm i'm not sure it's an incredible story um, in that I think it's like she was one of these cases that really mobilized an entire group of women. Um, and so I want to I want to talk about it. Um, in order to talk about it, I'm going to talk about some of the uh, COVID vaccination, COVID stuff. And I know we don't love to talk about COVID, but I think it's important for context of this story. So it's 2021. I don't know if you remember where we are. We all kind of had our pods. I know I was very much involved in the Quinn Matt pod over 
heavy over yonder. Heavy involvement. Um, huge involvement. Big, huge. She was the um, treasurer of the pod. I was the treasurer. In 2021, the U.S. is getting access to vaccines. And so the U.S. is slowly getting vaccinated. And if you remember, I think it's, it's sometimes it was like going through these, it was kind of hard to sort of remember because it happened so fast, but it was so stressful, right? So in the U.K., they were doing trials and they were starting to vaccinate people at the turn of 2021. And in January 17th, they start to vaccinate 70 plus, age 70 plus folks. But while this is happening, London is in a full lockdown and they're pretty strict about it. So the police are responding to these parties and they are issuing tickets. So like, for example, on February 5th, the police issue 34,000 pounds worth of fines after a student party involving 150 people in student halls. Um, February 6th, 14 adults are fined 11,000 11, pounds for attending a first birthday party. Um, oh, then February so 15th, they, it's so like the, the amount of money because, you know, I mean, they're like, you have to stay home. We have to but stop also the spread of this. the occasion. Like I get it. And it's just like, it like breaks my heart all over again to think about people being like, I'm not, I'm in college and I can't have a party a baby is born and I can't visit them. Everything about it is just so dark. It was so sad. Um, February 15th, there's like a new wave of people that can book vaccinations. So this is at a time where like in, before we had vaccines, I think it, so it's a, it's just an interesting time. I wanted to highlight this sort of like two things happening at once. People are getting vaccinated, which is awesome. Um, but also the police are still cracking down on COVID restrictions. So I don't know if you remember that time, but it felt very much like fluid of like who's vaccinated, who can go out, who can't. And there was a lot of hope, but also still a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Mid-February, a woman coughs on a police officer investigating a breach of COVID rules, and she is sentenced to four months in prison in the UK. Um, Late February, our church group is fined $10,000 for meeting in a car park. Um, March 1st, some more people can get vaccinated. So our story story takes place March 3rd. Sarah Everard is this 33-year-old woman, and she's a marketing marketing executive. And Mm -hmm. she goes on a run. She's wearing a mask. She looks like us. She runs to Sainsbury's, to Sainsbury's in Brixton Hill. South London, which is an area of South London. She buys a bottle of wine and then she goes and visits her friend's house mm-hmm. in Leithwaite. Uh, Leithwaite, Leithwaite, Leithwaite. That's I could have looked up the name of this, but it's a hard name. But it's in Clapham. Um, it's about two and a half miles from her house. So it seems like people are in their pods and she's walking. So she's walking the two and a half miles. So she grabs some wine. She goes to her friend's house. She stays there for a couple hours and she leaves at 9 p.m., which feels like pretty early still, right? Mm-hmm. She decides she's, she's going to walk home, you know, got to follow COVID protocol. So she starts to walk home and she is masked. She calls her boyfriend at 913. She talks to him for a little over 14 minutes. CCTV from the area catches her as she's walking en route home. She's alone at this time. Another camera catches her at 928. She is walking. She is still alone. Four minutes later, we see CCTV capture a white car near her where she is walking. Mm-hmm. The next thing we know from her night is at 9.35, a bus drives by her. And so they're able to capture because the bus is taking video, right? And a bus captures her. Oh, my God. That was putting together this video puzzle is also fascinating, by the way. 
totally fascinating. So this bus camera captures her standing next to a car that is parked. It's a white car, and the car has hazard lights flashing. Three minutes later, another bus captures the same car, and this time they see the two front car doors open on the car. A witness around this time who drives by this area sees a man and a woman on the pavement that we can assume is Sarah Everard and the person who she is with, and they watch the woman get handcuffed, and she's going to be put in the back of the car. She doesn't see any arguing, any argument, any arguing. Mm-hmm. She just assumes that this woman was doing something wrong and right. is getting arrested. Totally. It's a white car. The route that she is taking from Clapham from Clapham to Brixton is very well lit. It is surrounded by homes. There are plenty of houses around. She is doing everything right. It seems like what possibly happened is that she was walking. Mm-hmm. This car pulls over and she gets arrested for breaking curfew, COVID curfew. Because she's out she is arrested. what hour again? She's Wasn't it's it like 9 30. What was the curfew? Mm-hmm. Was nine? I don't know. The curfew, I was trying to look up the rules and I couldn't see it, but pers- maybe it's because she was early, coming but... from a party. But she it sounds like she is cooperating and she's put in the back of the car. She is handcuffed in the back of the car. She is strapped in with a seatbelt. This is again what we can surmise. Again, we don't we weren't know there for sure. Yeah, we this, weren't there. Okay. Um, people say that this interaction with her getting pulled over probably took less than five minutes based on the CCTV and the bus video that we see. It's March 4th and her boyfriend can't get a hold of her. So by the evening of March 4th, he reports her missing. He reports her missing. As soon as they report her missing, there is a huge group out looking for her. They find her March 10th at Hodes Wood in Kent. Well, they find her body at 445. They find her dead from being strangled. Her body is burned. And evidence shows that there were no clothes on her body when her body was burned. So it is assumed that there is sexual assault. So obviously they go back and they look at these CCTV videos and they're able to see the car that pulled her over and they're able to discern the card registration info, the license plate info. And they find that this car is registered to this guy, Wayne Cousins. Wayne Cousins is 48 years old and he is a police officer. What's important to note is that police officers in the UK... Not all of them can carry a gun. Not all police officers carry a gun. This guy does carry a gun. He was What do they get, formal, just tasers or something? I think tasers, but I think you have to have like very special license in order to carry a gun. So not everyone in the force does. Right. Um, he lives in Kent with his wife and two children. And a little bit about him. He started off guarding a nuclear power plant um, and... They find that this, just to clarify, I don't know if I clarified that, they find that the registration of this car, that this car was in fact a rental car, and they're able to connect it to Wayne Cousins. So it's not his actual car. Got it. It's a car that he went and rented. 
So he's a formal special he's a former special constable, but is now a diplomatic protection officer, mm-hmm. which allows him to carry a gun. Um, he started out working at a nuclear power plant where when he was working there, he received the nickname the rapist. Whoa, whoa. Can we just agree that's not a nickname? That's not a nickname you can give anybody. That is a crime. That's so <laughs> when they went to go and interview the people he worked with at that time, none of them would elaborate how he got it. What? So this was like much earlier. So it's a mystery, but apparently that was his nickname. Wait, Around that two- is a mystery mm-hmm. we have to solve. That is absolutely insane. Why do you call that person the rapist? And they're like, I'd rather not say it's just a nickname. Well, I think, again, I think it's like when you're... <laughs> Jesus. I think it probably it probably was a boys club. I I don't I don't know, but just to note that that was his nickname. This is before obviously he joined the police force because he he wouldn't join the police force until 2018. What's important to note is that this guy quote had a clean record, but there were many accusations and nicknames leveled at him that should have been red flags yeah. that were not. Around 2011 is when he got accepted into firearms training. And by doing that, he was able to sort of use that to enter the force eventually in 2018, according to some reports. But while he joined the Met in 2018, he was not properly vetted or his background checks were not properly cleared. Because what we do know is that in 2015, he was reported for flashing a pedestrian. And at the time when these accusations accusations were leveled against him, the sergeant at the time knew his brother and decided that it really isn't a big crime, that they wouldn't charge him with it. And had they charged him with this crime, he most likely would not have been able to join the Met, the police force. Mm-hmm. The sergeant who dismissed the case was stationed in Ashford where Wayne's cousin worked and knew his brother was also a police officer so it's like he had connections to all of these police officers so these crimes that he was these petty crimes or these flashing accusations were never able to be tried or charged or anything so these women who endured this Mm -hmm. abuse were never vindicated in any way shape or form and if these had been leveled this would have prevented him from joining the met apparently he flashed many people. In fact, there were six cases of flashing that never went investigated, including just days before Sarah's disappearance. So here's what we know about him. Once they get this information, once they get the car registration in his name, they're able to sort of piece together what he was up to, which is on March 1st, just two days before Sarah went missing. He booked a rental car from a place in Dover. He used his personal details and his credit card. He also purchased a roll of self-adhesive film, which is advertised as car carpet protector from Amazon. Mm -hmm. On March 3rd, the day in question, the day Sarah disappeared, he worked a 12-hour shift. Then he went to go collect the car that he booked that afternoon. CCTV footage shows him in a mask and hat. So remember, like, again, we're COVID. So everybody's wearing a mask and a hat. So seemingly maybe he feels like he's protected that way, although he uses credit card. What an idiot. I love stupid people because we love let's be a real. stupid criminal. We love a stupid criminal. What? We love there it. are plenty. There's so many. So they're able to see him get the car. Yeah. They're able to see from his phone data his route. So what they think happened was 
he gets in his car and he starts prowling the streets of central London looking for a lone woman walking. Sarah was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Super premeditated. It was random, super premeditated, and she was just a victim of opportunity. Yeah. When he sees Sarah, he pulls her over and he uses his police badge. In fact, there is imagery from the buses where you can see his arm outstretched, seemingly showing a badge. That is what we assume is happening. And he uses these COVID laws to arrest her. And she puts her, he puts her in the back seat. She is handcuffed and she cannot undo her seatbelt. <sighs> okay. So while we don't know exactly what happened in that time, what we believe happened is that he transferred Sarah into his own car around 11.30 p.m. He then drives to Dover. It is believed that he rapes her there. Um, and... At 1 a.m., the rental car, we know, is outside of London in the Tillmanstone area. So this is March 3rd. He gets her. He kidnaps her. He kills her. He moves the car. He moves her body. Well, he rape, He moves her. He rapes her. He kills her. He moves the car so we know where the rental car mm-hmm. is. So the next morning, he calls out of work. He says he's suffering from stress. The next thing we know is at 8.30 in the morning, he returns the rental car to the Emperor, to the Enterprise in Dover, Kent. Mm-hmm. He drives then to Sandwich to throw Sarah's phone in the river. The, wait, the name of the place is Sandwich? Yeah, there's a place like Earl of Sandwich. You know, there's a place in England called Sandwich. What do you mean Sandwich. like Earl of Sandwich? What is that? There was a guy named Earl of Sandwich. I assume he invented the sandwich. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Okay. No, that's a bit of history I love. It's a heavy story. If you can tell me a little bit about the Earl of Sandwich, I'd fucking love it at this point. I mean, maybe he invented, I don't know, probably like a club. By the way, did you know what a club means? Mm-mm. Okay. You know what a BLT means, right? Bacon, lettuce, tomato. Club? Chicken, chicken lettuce, le- umbrella, beef. Chicken, lettuce, under bacon. Oh, has to be under. Oh, okay. It's instructions. Interesting, right? Okay, there we do that. Okay, moving on. March 5th, we know Cousins buys two green trash bags in Dover, and he buys two gas cans. A witness will later say that they see large orange and yellow flames in Hodeswood, where Sarah's body is eventually mm-hmm. found. To also just add a little bit of a cherry on top of this guy is a criminal. They also find that Wayne and his wife had bought a small patch of land in Kent where the body was found was about 100 meters outside of the property's boundary. Mm -hmm. Fucking idiot. It's March 6th. Yeah, for all his heavy planning. But it sounds like he's, I mean, what I find is interesting about his the the post crime moments because it seems like it happens he cleans up the mess march 6th he calls his supervisor and he tells his supervisor he no longer wants to carry a gun the supervisor says hey you're off work for 5 days he then orders a tarp and a bungee cargo net on amazon on the 7th he goes with his wife and two kids to Hodeswood, where he owns that small property. And apparently, his kids start playing very close to where he dumps the body. March 8th, 
he calls and he's reported in sick. It is on March 9th that he is arrested. They have enough information. They're able to connect him to the crime. He has not shown up to work at all. He is arrested at 7.50 p.m. Keep in mind, this is 39 minutes after he wipes his mobile phone data, which leads people to ask, was he tipped off? Did he know? Did he have friends who were telling him they were on to him? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a, what is that called? The blue, I forget, the blue code of silence, the blue. Yeah, something like that. The blue code of silence. It's, it's yeah, about the, you know, police helping each other out. And I think they definitely do. I have a question for you about mm-hmm. this story. Yeah. What do you make of the calling in and saying, I don't want to carry a gun? What do you make of that? It's interesting because it doesn't say that she died of any gunshot wounds. I think this person had been flashing people and it feels like it really escalated. And I wonder if there was remorse. I wonder if there was And he was like, clearly I can't have this gun. I'm going to like turn into a serial rapist killer. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to make of it. Or is it in the noteworthy too? Like maybe he was like, if I don't have the gun... They'll look, won't look at me for this crime. I don't. I don't know. It's a very strange thing. Well, he's doing a shitty job of covering up because he's very. calling in sick. He's saying he's stressed. Like there's all this stuff happening where you're like, what's going on? Complete. So it feels odd. like he's wanting to get caught in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's re- he's going back to visit the place of the crime. Like just very weird, very like um, telltale signs. Yeah. Of someone who's feeling guilt, right? So when he's arrested, he admits to the kidnapping, rape, and murder of Everard. But before he fully admits to that, he starts saying some crazy shit, right? Like they arrest him and he's like, listen, I have a lot of money problems and I needed to deliver a woman to a gang of Eastern Europeans who threatened me and my family and and I was just protecting me and my family. And he says he dropped her off um, and then he let her go. But this story quickly changes. And it's of very course. obvious that this is not what happened because he has scratches all over his head that he claims are from his dog. There's clearly self-defense wounds. Um, they find blood in the car and they find evidence of his semen in the same location. Um, and what's what's really chilling, I mean, this whole thing is chilling, but what's also really scary is his wife is totally blindsided. She's like, he never was violent in any way, shape, or form. I never knew any of this was going on. Um, he's brought to trial. He's brought he's brought to trial, and he's he pleads guilty to kidnapping and rape in June. And the following month, he admits to her murder. He obviously is sacked by the Met Police. Um, but what's really wild is that the fallout of the police investigation, right? I mean, and I'll get into the protests that came after this because obviously this mobilized a lot of women in what is violence against women, what is women's safety late at night. I mean, this woman looked like looked like looked like exactly how we would look. She was in this cute outfit, like she was in um like teal pants and gym shoes and a mask. Like she just she just looked normal. She wasn't wearing anything, you know. She just looked like she, we would be friends with her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she was wearing a mask and she was doing all of the right things. She was walking the two and a half miles instead of taking a car or public transportation. Like, 
I walked to your house two and a half miles many times to get to your house. And it's this thing where if somebody pulls over and they show you a badge and they say they're a cop and that you're in trouble and you have to get in the car, I think most people she didn't put think up a that fight. they she have just went- to get in the car. And I think that maybe you don't want to risk it. And yeah, what am I saying? Like, is that my platform? Don't get in the – if you get pulled over, be like, no. Nope. I mean <laughs> – but you I know, don't this know. person. Yeah. The only person who um, was fired beyond Wayne Cousins was a 29-year-old woman Met officer named Samantha Lee, who was barred from policing over lying over her botched probe into Cousins the day he murdered Sarah. So this is all the information I could find on it. Um, but she believes that she was the scapegoat for the Mets' shortcomings into this investigation and into not Somebody had to take um, a fall. figuring out sooner. or Yeah, exactly. And what's crazy is she's like, it's kind of wild that like a 29-year-old woman is, is the, the one only that person takes the who fall. gets in trouble. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, I don't know, interesting to say the least. Yeah. Um, he is sentenced to a whole life sentence for the murder of Sarah Everard, which his defense barrister says, hey, the seriousness of this crime is dreadful, but does it warrant a full life term? Indeed, he do the that, judge it does. Turns down the plea. He is, in fact, in prison until he dies. There is no chance of parole. That guy is staying in prison. Yeah. After prison, after he's charged, after he's convicted, after he's sentenced, he's then charged with four additional sex offenses in the, for the in the days before he killed Sarah for um, flashing. Um, and he is given an additional 19 more months, which, again, is not going to affect his prison sentence. But I think it does probably give the victims of those crimes some peace that he is charged for those, which should have happened back in 2015. Like, what an escalation. I know that, like, you've been flashed before, right? Have you? I'm sure I've I have. been flashed a yeah. couple of times and I'm like, it would never cross my mind that somebody that, like, flashes you, that it would escalate that aggressively in terms of like a sex crime to go from that to rape and murder it is like it surprises me that it escalates that quickly yeah it it surprised me that it's not like yeah it does surprise me that escalates that quickly yeah (laughs) it's just it's very shocking when this happened um it led like i said to a massive uproar Mm -hmm. in england and it was i mean if you remember in 2019 or 2021 i mean we're also like on the tales of the me too movement and I mean, there's a lot of conversation to be happen to be happening. There's mm-hmm. a lot of conversation happening about violence against women. Mm-hmm. So with protests against the police, which I'll get into in a minute, um, Scotland Yard brought up its first ever hotline to report misconduct from the police. And of course, it had more than a thousand complaints called in. And these complaints led to internal investigations, covert investigations into the British, into the Britain's police force. Mm -hmm. Um, And many officers were suspended from duty and some were arrested as a result of these complaints that were properly investigated. Um, This, again, led to massive protests around the U.K., um, speaking out against the danger of women and violence against women. Um, and this happened soon after she was found. So the first protest, I think, was scheduled for March 13th. And keep in mind, the COVID restrictions are still intact in England. Mm-hmm. But it's this really interesting moment where the police are, quote, enforcing COVID restrictions. But what happens is, is these women are protesting the police and their involvement And so there is a massive clash between the protesters and police. And the police are trampling over the candles laid out for the tribute. 
They Not are accused of silencing women. They are, are there's there's pictures that you've probably seen of police arresting women who are wearing masks. Um, women are taken in um, to jail um, because the police refused to give out an official permit for this gathering. But women felt like their voices needed to be heard and they gathered anyway. Wow. And they were peaceful. And my friend, I believe, was there. And mm-hmm. she says it got nasty really quick. Um, it sounds very similar to a lot of protests that happen in the U.S. where mm-hmm. the aggression from the police force led to a really violent um, protest. Um, what's crazy is then four members of Reclaim These Streets, um, they took legal action against the Metropolitan Police. Um, they claimed that their human rights to freedom of speech and assembly had been breached in connection with their attempt to organize the visual. Um, The case was heard um, on March 11th, 2022, and they said that the Met's decision was not in accordance with the law. So it sided um, with the members of the Reclaim These Streets, which is great. Um, In 2022, though, the Met tried to prosecute six protesters for breaking COVID laws. Three of them were fined. but then in August, apparently all of the charges were dropped against these women, which I'm just like, you guys, why are you adding bad PR to this? It just doesn't make any sense. Like you had a police officer on the force who killed a woman and now you're going to prosecute people for holding a vigil. It just, it it's kind of like, let really it lie. Stupid. It looks really like, bad. It looks It looks awful. really stupid. It looks really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so the charges were eventually dropped. Um, and I didn't know if this is exactly what happened, but there was images from the anniversary um of her disappearance, of her death. And it looked like, I cannot corroborate this, but it looked like they maybe had a group of women that tried to walk her route that she oh, took. Oh, yeah. Um, which I assume is what happened. It just as I saw a bunch of women walking. Or, no, maybe it wasn't that. Or maybe they were walking from Scotland Yard to, I like your version. Um, somewhere else. I like my version. Um, but this woman, I mean, she was 33 years old. She had a whole life ahead of her. Um and, you know, she's become this lightning rod um, for women to speak out against violence against women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, who is protecting them? Because this, the, this, this, like, covering up, <laughs> this covering up of this guy's crimes only led him to be on the police force to give him a position of authority mm-hmm. that he abused. And it's horribly tragic. And her life was cut way too short. And, um, yeah. It's just a heartbreaking story, but that's the story of uh, Sarah Everard. Thank you for telling it. You did a really great job. Thanks, Quinn. It's a really sad story. It's a really sad story. My story is also really sad. Would you believe that it's also true and dark and creepy? Would you believe it? I mean, what are the odds? I wouldn't. Frankly. I couldn't couldn't believe it if you tried. Would you, could you, in a box? Um, (laughs) Griffin has been like riffing on that. Uh, would you, could you, Sam, I am stuff. And the stuff he comes up with is pretty hysterical. What does he say? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember what it was that really cracked me up. It didn't, it it just doesn't make sense. He's like, would you, could you with a closet? Like he just like doesn't do it right. And it's uh, for some reason, you know, I'm not hanging out with uh, that many people my own age. So I do think it's funny. (laughs) Likewise, any of Koa's poop jokes. I am cracking up i think i'm losing my you mind are fucking in you are in so hard 
This is a, a pretty cool story. Um, this is a story, I mean, it's very sad, but it's very interesting. Uh, I got some of this from Unsolved Mysteries episode, and I got, I read a lot of kind of local stuff, a lot of articles from the Missoulin, uh, the Billings Gazette, the Great Falls Tribune, Longview Daily News, the Independent Record, Intelligencer Journal Lancaster New Era, and a book called Choosing Mercy by Antoinette Bosco. This is, we're going to start our story way before it starts, just to say Ooh, like. Flashback. Yeah, we're going to do like, a, we're going to start 75 and then we're going to hop up to like 93. So let's do 1975 because I love going in order. Um, we're in September. In fact, it's the 17th of September, 1975, in Aiken, no relation to Clay, South Carolina. Danian Brinkley is 25 years old. He is on the phone in his bedroom. He's talking to his bestie, Tom. There's a storm. Imagine this is you and I on the phone. Like, I can't. Okay. He hears big thunder. He's like, wow, what a storm. And then suddenly... His whole body, he feels it lift up into the air, feels searing pain shooting through his vision and his head, just like the most pain he's ever felt in his life. And he's like floating for a full moment and then gets slammed onto the bed, luckily onto the bed, I guess, and not the floor. But it doesn't really matter if he got slammed in the bed, the floor, the wall, because his he feels like someone lit him on fire. It is so powerful. It is so aggressive. And it is pain in every single part of his body because Danian Brinkley has just been struck by lightning in his <gasps> fucking bedroom. In your room. Can you imagine if there's a safe? storm outside and then you're like, I'm How? struck by lightning. How? I don't know, but it happened. Maybe it was because of the phone. Can you imagine being a person on the other end of the phone and being like, are you okay? What was that noise? Like, Quinn, the phone had to be burned. And do you think he was still on the line? There's no way. It is 180,000 volts of electricity. Okay. Did you feel like that when you were getting your nerve test? No. I felt like it was like three volts. I do have to say that it is so powerful. You know how like um, when people get hit by a car, their shoes are often off yeah. their body his shoes are welded to the ground in his room oh, no yes i mean this is so crazy so tom is like what happened to my friend runs over to his house rushes over and the param um his wife is there like um danian's wife is there tom's there the paramedics are coming they're trying to resuscitate him what is very interesting about this is that Danian says he is watching all of it from outside of his body. He says Whoa. that he is floating in the room. He sees them and he's like, oh, and then he sees just mist and a form coming out of the mist. And he's like, and all of a sudden I start to feel and see everything I've done like it's playing for me on a movie. Like, it's like, here's your life, sir. And he's watching it. And he's like, no one's with me. I'm by myself. So it, it was a message to him in his head. He's like, oh, I'm the judge. Like, no one's judging this. I'm just the judge of me. But I don't like me. And he's watching his life. And he's like, 
I've been pretty shitty sometimes. Like he's watching every time he like caused anybody pain or discomfort. And he's like, ooh. But then the movie's over and it's time to move on because you're dead. So he goes to what he describes as a crystal city. Doesn't sound bad at all, frankly. There are 13 beings. Doesn't really go on to describe what these beings are like. I just picture folks. You know, I just picture people. But he says call each people of them, beings, though, Quinn. Okay, well, they're like gods. Because it kind of gave me Greek god vibes because he was like, well, each mm. being had a power like uh, wisdom or strength. So kind of Greek god vibes in the Crystal City sounds a little like in the clouds with Zeus or something, right? <laughs> they show him a collection of visions is, is how they were described by Danian of the future. So they're basically like, you saw your past back there. Welcome to Crystal City. Here is some videography we have of things to come. Like this, this or this, this. Oh, oh. Videography it's of time for, to come. It's time for you to go, Danian. I'm I'm so sorry. It, you do have to leave now. And he's like, what? And he's really sad. He doesn't want to leave. Crystal City's fabulous. But he does leave. And when he opens his eyes, he's underneath a sheet. And he's like... Where am I? I'm alive. Because meanwhile, while Danian was at Crystal City, they were like, Danian's dead. They took him. They rushed him to the hospital, but they were like, he is dead. And they, I think he's like in the morgue at this point. <laughs> so he does this. He has like no ability to move. But he's like, I, I need someone to know I'm alive under this dang sheet. And I can't really like talk. So he's just doing this. <sighs> And blowing at the sheet to try to like puff it so that someone notices that he's breathing and it works. And somebody's like, what? That sheet just moved. That that dead body is alive. He's been dead for half an hour. He's been dead for half an hour. Like not three minutes, not in surgery. He just went like flatlined. He's been fucking dead. He was pronounced dead like 30 minutes ago. What? I mean, what in the world? So they're like... And he met all of the folks at Crystal City. It feels like Oz. It feels like a little bit of Wizard of Oz vibes. That's what he did when he was dead. And so he's like back now and they're like, you have to stay here. You're very sick and you, in fact, are back from the dead. So he stays in the hospital for a week and then he he can like not walk. He can't talk. Um, he can't see light his his eyes are like too sensitive yeah. to to deal with that yeah. but he heals he heals over time i mean only in, he's already released after a week but you know why is your story sad this is so incredible well we'll get there this is so interesting so what what he does say is remember he got to watch all those great videography of the future <laughs> So now yeah, he does he now predict the future. Now he knows a lot about the future and he does successfully predict the future often. And his friends are like, what the fuck? Like people verify that they're like, we don't understand. Um, and he's like, well, I witnessed about 117 future occurrences when I was watching the video. But then they sent me back. So like they like cut the video short. And we're like, get back in the game. Um, he knew that Ronald Reagan was going to be elected. He knew about the collapse of the Soviet Union. He knew about the Gulf War in 1991. There was just a lot that he was like aware of. 
Um, and he's telling his friends like things sometimes before they happen and then they're watching them happen and he's like, well, I did get struck by lightning and I absolutely tried to warn you. Hey, I tried died. to actually warn you. I have been to Crystal City, folks, and I've seen it all. <laughs> oh my God. Um, there's an... Um, so Unsolved Mysteries is like, we love you. And they ask a parapsychologist named Dr. William Roll to do a bunch of tests on Damien. And Damien is like giving psychic readings to people that he's never met. And he just picks things about them where he's like this. And they're like, there's no way he could have known that. Um, so Dr. Roll is like, this guy is legit. He is too legit to quit and he's got to keep going. And he does. Let's flash forward to 1993, August 19th. We're in Big Fork, Montana now. Mm -hmm. John and Nancy Bosco, John's 41, Nancy's 32, are found dead in their home. Their neighbor had noticed that their cars were there, and she's like, they were planning a trip, but they're like, cars are still here. And I see a door open. She's just noticing trouble. And then she gets closer to the house and smells a smell that tells her death has happened. They had been dead at this point for a week when she discovers <gasps> them. Oh. It's very sad. They were shot essentially execution style in their bed. John has a bullet to the back of the head. Nancy has a bullet to the back and to her head. And they're naked. They're in their bed. Their phone line had been cut. Their electricity had been cut. There are signs of forced entry. Like, the, it's a very clear story of murder, but nothing right. has been stolen. Um, right. Because nothing's been stolen and it's not a robbery, it's, like, personal, but at the same time, nobody had it in for them. They're having a really hard time. There's, like, just no leads. The case is cold right. very quickly. Um, John's mother... Antoinette or Tony, um, as she is often called, does not know what to do. She is like wants somebody to pay for this. Like who did this to her child and her daughter-in-law? So she is like, you know, what was weird was that I went to um, a, a house a few years ago after my son Peter had passed. So she's already lost a kid. Um, and she met at this party a psychic. Um, and the home that she was at was a psychiatrist named Raymond Moody. And he introduced her to his friend who is a psychic, Danian Brinkley. Okay? Okay. She remembers Danian. And she's like, he said he could, like, predict the future, that he, like, knew things about the future. She calls Danian. And she's like, I need you to help me figure out who did this. He travels to her. And she's like, do a reading for me. Her sister's there taking notes. And Danian is like doing this, like hands on head, like a classic psychic pose. I'm trying to tell you what I'm doing. Um, he's like fingers on his brain, like temples. being like, what Holding is the it? temples, yeah. So he's like closing his eyes and being like, I'm trying to like play a movie in my head of what happened. And it's like blurry, but he's, he comes out of this sort of trance. And remember, the sister's taking notes of what he said. And he's like... Whoever did this was a young man, really slight build. I, I would even say he's a kid, like quite a young man. He's definitely in college um, somewhere out west. He has black hair. I'm getting a feeling that the way he's acting in this home, he knew the home. He'd been in the home before. The home was very familiar to him. Um, but don't worry. He is going to be arrested in December of this year. And so he leaves. 
And Tony says she remembers turning to her sister and being like, well, that was a fucking waste of time. Like, she was basically like, we'll never get that. Well, well, she's bye. like, I'm sorry, but like, we're in Montana. Some kid that's in college on the West killed for no reason my son and his wife. This just does. Okay. Like, she didn't like love the story. She was a little like, whatever, that guy's. Yeah. Nutso. Meanwhile, it's still fall, and there are two college roommates at a Quaker-run school called George Fox College in Newburgh, Oregon, in their dorm room. One of them is an 18-year-old. His name is Shadow Clark, and he's been acting really strange. And his roommate is like, what is up with you? And he says to him, I've done something worse than anybody's ever done before, and I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble for it. And then he puts his hand in the shape of a gun and does an imaginary shot. And his roommate's like, okay, did you kill someone? And he said, well, I had dreams of killing people. And then one day it wasn't just a dream. I just did it. He's totally freaked as a roommate. And he goes to the police and he's like, my roommate, whose name is the Shadow. Worst. Could you imagine like, oh, God, you like college and, like, freshman getting set up with a freshman roommate named Shadow. Yeah. This guy probably sounds like a weird hippie. We'll probably smoke weed all the time. And then you show up freshman year and you're like, did you bring the mini fridge? Yeah. I brought the toaster. Did you bring the microwave? And he's like, no, I shot someone. What? Yeah. So the police arrest Shadow in December of 1993. And they say to him, like, what's the story? And he confesses right away. And he says, I killed this couple with this nine millimeter Smith and Wesson that I used. I gave the gun to this friend. They track the gun. They're like, yep, this was the gun used in this crime. Um, so the story is that John and Nancy had bought that home not even like a year ago, maybe. They had moved from mm -hmm. Boulder, Colorado. And the irony is that they moved away from Colorado because they I think John had like a very contentious divorce or custody thing and they were trying to leave Boulder because he felt like he was being watched as part of the custody thing and he was like me and Nancy aren't safe. So they move into this house and then they get shot. Now, when they bought this house, they <sighs> bought it from David Joe Clark and Brenda Clark who had been in the house many years. They had raised their son there. Their Shadow. son Shadow. Now, the couple, um, the Boscos were like, this is great. It's got five acres. It's got a shop on the premise. I'm going to use the shop to make arrows and cabinets, which is part of his job. So they buy this house in Ferndale. And they don't think anything of the family, like, in the sense that, like, the family wasn't weird and Shadow wasn't. Yeah. Shadow was, like, an honor roll student that went to church all the time and was going to be starting college in the fall. Like, why is he right. even going to miss his house? He's leaving anyway. So I think, like, obviously the headline here, for starters, don't move. is that, well, the killer was an 18-year-old. The killer was in college on the yeah. West Coast. The killer got arrested in December. And he looked like how Danian described. And when this all happens... Tony calls her sister and is like, get out your notes. Am I crazy? Or did he say this, this, and this? And she's like, I'm looking at the notes. That's what he said. Jesus. Now, Shadow waves extradition, just goes straight to Montana. And his dad says about this, we just don't know what to think. He's a top-notch kid. He's a good boy. We don't understand any of this. And he hasn't been able to talk to us about it. Now, Peter Bosco, 
John's dad says that he remembers Nancy was like saw Shadow kind of lurking around the house after they moved in and like doing weird stuff like hot rotting down their street. And like she felt like he was maybe watching her. So she had been like something's up with this Shadow kid. Now, the family had been in contract. They had kept kind of talking while they negotiated the sale of the property. But there isn't like a big crazy story around this. One thing, though, remember that John was kind of paranoid and that's why they moved. Mm -hmm. In his will, he wrote, if I should die for some nasty reason, such as bullets, as a consequence of foul play, estate proceeds should be used to catch the culprits. He also was like, if I die, I want my ashes spread across the Boulder County Courthouse lawn so that my spirit might forever haunt those liars and thieves who would hide behind the cloak of the law. So he has like a lot of issues with his ex, obviously. That's, that feels like, maybe go to a beach, man. Go to a beach. Maybe relax in your afterlife. Nancy's will says, if I should die of unnatural causes, i.e. bullets, fire, car explosions, etc., some of my unnamed assets, no, some of my, and then they have unnamed assets, will be used to bring to justice the foul players responsible and to do so by any means until justice prevails. Which, again, like, they're, like, acting like they definitely thought they were going to get murdered. But they thought they were going to get murdered by, like, not Shadow, for sure. Um, And then she wrote of her ashes, in case you're interested, or of her body. Since I get claustrophobic in small places and do not like getting cold, I request that my loved ones have my perfect and bodacious body cremated. Which I really like, like I do that. like that a lot, Nancy. I, I like that, Nancy. I do I'm in, I'm love in. you for that. So, you know, they have this premonition they were going to get murdered, and then they did get murdered, which feels pretty weird. Yeah. Although they never would have guessed who was going to do it. And then we go to Shadow, and we're like, what's the story here? And, you know, he's like, I barely remember doing it. It feels like a dream state, but I'll tell you, I think I snuck into their house right before, like, 2 in the morning. I stood in the door of their bedroom. I was like a few feet away from the bed, shot John, and then pointed the gun at Nancy, who I guess like maybe woke up, and then I shot her three times, but he hit her like twice. Now, we know from the scene it does feel like Nancy was up freaking out after John got shot because her glasses are like moved like she was putting them on. The telephone's knocked off the nightstand. After she was shot, Shadow put a pillow over her face like to not look at her. And then took all the bullet casings and then left. Now, Shadow doesn't remember cutting the electricity, cutting the phone lines, doesn't really remember what the story I just told you. It's as if he was dreaming. He was in like a fugue His state. fingerprints are nowhere there. So he's like, I don't know, maybe I wore gloves. Like he's not the most reliable narrator of what happened. He says Weird. after he killed them, he went home, went to bed. And when he woke up in the morning, he was like, did that really happened. Like, didn't know if it did. And like I told you, no Whoa. record. High achieving, happy. When they're like, why did you do it? He's like, I have absolutely no earthly idea why it happened. I can tell you that it felt like I was dreaming when it happened and that before it happened, I was plagued by nightmares that I was going to kill them. I just had nightmares all the time that I was killing them over and over and over again. I had them every Jesus. night for weeks. And then one night, I felt like I was in a trance and I went and physically just actually did it. And I don't know why. That's so scary. He says, and this is like a pretty rough quote, I realize that I have messed up 
and it's it's not a small one, a mistake, but it's a mistake and it's a serious thing, but I'm not a bad person. And anybody you talk to will tell you I'm not. And I have no idea why I did it. I would like to know why. But I don't think it's the end of the world for me. They shouldn't just end my life. I shouldn't be condemned for doing one little one thing. I've done a lot of good things. And sure, they don't make up for doing that bad thing. But still. He sounds like an 18-year-old. He sounds like an 18-year-old. It's so intense. Like, just read. And I was like, I did one little thing. Oh. I mean, like, one thing, I guess it's not little. Like, it's like you committed. Also, like, what good do you do at the age of 18 is my question. Like, I mean, listen, I'm saying, like, you know, he's 18. Like, I'm not, like, clearly there was no motive. I don't I don't get why he did it. And sure, like, that's for someone who has a PhD after their name. But, like, I, uh, I'm i also at 18. At 18 years old, what I've been like, I've done so much good. Like, I don't know if I did that much good when I was 18. And it's just, it's so creepy to me. That that he just doesn't you have know why the psychic he did it. element of somebody being like this is who yeah. did it, and then you also have this like paranormal ish element of like some kid with no didn't even like steal a cigarette and smoke it commits murder. Well, it's after, like you wonder like, if like dreaming the that he lightning was bolt, it. he's like actually like he's the one that did it. I know. There's I I have that same. It's so crazy. I have that same feeling of like it feels like he's a puppet of something like it's yeah. very scary yeah he totally. does plead guilty he is convicted of their murders and sentenced to 220 years in prison without the possibility of parole until age 60 oh my god that feels i mean listen i'm not saying i uh, oh that's such a hard that's a hard one i mean because we read about on- criminals that are like horrible rapists that get like a slap well, we heard on the about wrist last and now you have the this guy kid. who was the, I mean, last week's case gets 178 days and I know. this guy gets 220 years i know i know and like who's more of a danger to society i would argue like i am like what is going on is he is he like have an undiagnosed mental illness i mean it is very crazy yeah. Ugh, it's so scary his lawyer was like look shadow knew that it would be better for sentencing if he could say that there was a motive like it's not great to be like, I don't know why I did it. But he's like, there simply wasn't. Like, he couldn't invent a motive. There just wasn't one. And then yeah. he said this. I'll end you on this scary quote. Yeah, don't end me. Just end the I'm story, please. end you with the lawyer, Stephen like, I'm Nardi. I'm end you with a quote. I'm like, I don't. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks, Kate. No thanks. Uh, as a society, we all like to think there is never a randomness to such a vicious act. It scares the hell out of us. That could have been anybody's house. I lock my door these days. Who said that? His lawyer. Too far. Too far. That doesn't help. I don't think that helped his sentencing. (sighs) I don't think he said it in court. (laughs) I don't think he said it to the press after the sentencing. But Well, again, I don't think that's like, that feels like something the prosecutor would say, not his defense attorney. That's wild. I mean, he admitted to the crime. I just, I... There was no defense, you know. It's 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 indefensible. But wow, 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 not wow. such a scary story. And isn't it so crazy? The lightning stuff. That's really that's a crazy story. Thank you for telling it. You're welcome. Um, you know what I think of you? So strong. <laughs> you remembered. I'm so proud of I you. I remembered. All right, I'll Thank give you, you a couple. Thank you. I'll give you a couple. Um. Jack thoughts before we go. When Gary told me he had found Jesus, I thought, Yahoo, we're rich. But it turned out to be something different. 
nutcracker. I like that. Are you just doing this while you're taking a shit? You're just yeah. looking at this I going, this is good. I just laugh and poop and laugh and poop. To become a knife thrower in the circus, they probably don't let you start out throwing knives at a live woman. They start you out with a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and if it, that ain't creepy, I don't know what is. What is? What is?